0: good morning well let's start with a a um, some mantras invoking uh, Vajragini for the for liberation of all beings I found my rosary there. And now for my next trick. The,
1: um, the Yeah.
0: For the sake of all beings, wisdom, compassion, and non clinging awareness, I will liberate quickly for all living beings.
1: Um, I right. um, I right. um. Um. Oh 도루. <목소리도>
0: So we'll start with this morning uh, before reading from uh, a text by Lama Shang, a very great Kagi master. Uh, if you've got any questions pertinent to this particular practice... Yes, Jillian first. Um, I've got my mind in a little tangle. How can the mind have a little tangle?
1: There's the, the spacious, clear mind that goes on forever, that everything appears in. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mind of my head, or a mind in this being's head. And the relationship between the two...
0: Then you have to... Uh, meditate on whether you can find any um, difference at all between the two. Well,
1: the one in here seems much more
0: constrained. Yeah, so... so like time, question is what, the question is, you see, it's, it comes down to what one experiences. It's like saying uh, there's a body in a room. Tell me what the difference is between uh, experiencing the body and experiencing the room. Anybody? Do they feel different? Sometimes. Hmm? Sometimes. Sometimes? Sometimes? So this is, this is, this is, these are questions of Mahamudra. This so now it gets into insight. What, what, what are you sensing? It's interesting. People say, well, I'm having, I'm having feelings. What are, you, what are you feeling? Well, I'm, if you analyze it and you experience it, I'm having some body sensations. Are our body sensations different than other body sensations? You'd say yes. But are they sensations? Yes. Are all men, is all mental experience one or split up into different qualities? Does this is making sense to you? So really, it's a matter of it's like saying, well, there, pink clouds are different than black clouds, and black clouds are different than white clouds but they're all clouds. So you have to keep penetrating, like pulling apart veils, as to what is the nature of all this experience. It's caught in appearances, as appearances are actually different phenomena than something else. So
1: this big spacious mind, this mind
0: appears within the spacious mind. Why does it even appear within the spacious mind? What's the difference? So these are, these are things, this, this is something that you have that maybe maybe uh, other people don't have or do have, um, but it's a matter of um, analyzing through, through insight, through direct looking, what are these differences of experiences? Why would you have two different kinds of minds? If you experience spacious mind, let's say, so, so one, one moment you're having spacious mind, the next moment you're having a mind that's full of light. So you have boundless uh, space, or bounded space, then you have bounded light, or boundless light. Well, what's the difference between the two? Is there any difference? Here, there, two minds, five minds. Some people have many minds. So I would just, I would just, so just, just hold that, and we'll. Um, I find this an easy one, but um, hold on to that, and, and as we progress, let's see what, let's see what happens. Okay. Yes.
1: So with the gaze, when we're focusing down. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, if you need to. Uh, sometime, sometimes you actually do the same thing out here. So sometimes you need to be very, very soft and loose yeah. looking here too.
1: So then when we bring the eyes up, say we've done the box method, or so we bring our eyes up, and then it's, it's a re- an opening,
0: relaxed eye? It is also, but you see in the case of, uh, now we've moved to insight, uh, that's for samatha. Uh, when we move to insight, it, it's actually quite penetrating. Quite penetrating. Quite a so penetrating case. People, like, thinking, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. For for purposes of uh, tranquility, uh, there's different methods uh, this way. So so, uh, if you're looking down like this, this is this is really just to 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 focus in. But you can actually do the entire meditation from here too. Some teachers will say, "By the way, looking straight ahead is this." Some teachers will say, "Looking straight ahead is this." I know some um, teachers that say, "Well, no. What it says, what it means in the text is looking straight ahead is like this." Others say, "No, absolutely not. It's looking, looking like this." So, but the most important thing uh, at this point, although we're going to shift this over, is that when you're go- when you're when you're uh, practicing for stability of calm mind, of tranquility, of samatha. And discovering that, then generally speaking, this is a very uh, gentle one, but uh, bringing in the constraint. When you use the eyes uh, strongly, that's really for insight. I don't know if that makes sense. You have to find your way, feel your way into this. But um, Actually, you may even find that uh, using the eyes in a strong way um, settles the mind. So, tightening, loosening. How you tighten, I'm going to leave up to you. You may even squeeze your muscles. You might even squeeze muscles. Really, you might have to. Once while. Then loosen. Squeeze, loosen. Try that. I, f- I found that sometimes very good. Squeeze, loosen. Loosen off. You know, there's two different ways of, 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 of looking in some ways. Uh, if you look in the, the uh, eyes of a of a forest deer, of a deer, big round, or or a rabbit, big round saucer eyes when they look at you,
1: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: or a Max's eyes. <laughs> and then inside, it's it's like looking to the eyes of an eagle, or looking right into a cheetah. Or a lion. Ever had that in safari? Mm-hmm. All of a sudden you're, you know, uh, four, uh, 13, uh, 15, 25 feet away from a lion. It's, it's just deciding how fast it would be to get in the Jeep and get you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the look of, uh, for insight. In a sense it's very, very uh, right on, like, like if you were cutting through veils. But uh, you can also use that for um, selling the mind through tightening and loosening. These are things you find. That's why you need time. A lot of you have not taken the time uh, by yourselves to really have all day to experiment. It's in the experimentation where you go, oh, gosh, got it. So that's just just a matter of experimenting, 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 and not getting, okay, this is exactly how I do it. And then it's experimenting. Finding a way. See, For instance, um, loving-kindness is in all your wholesome states. If you're reasonably wholesome, reasonable, there's loving kindness. And every single moment of the day, there's full attention. Maybe not full attention on what you want, but there's full att- your organism is fully attentive. So the thing is, you have to discover those. The, the difference is, some of these writings are about you produce it. Yeah? You produce it. Actually, what you do is you find it. You discover it then what you do is you wake it up. You nurture it. So in Samatha, you nurture. You nurture the qualities that you have already, but too busy to see. The mindfulness is not strong enough. Or the ways of afflictive emotions are so fierce that one simply can't find those qualities. Too busy thinking. Too busy having emotional upset. You see? Um, But when when the being is in a reasonable state of calm, uh, then what it is really is you just uh, find those qualities and keep coming back gently, gently nurt- nurt- nurturing them until they come out more and more and more. They're already there. So it's kind of honing in. It's like using a grinder, a coffee grinder. You hone in on the exactly the right grind setting to get all the flavor notes out. It's already there. It's in the coffee bean. So, don't keep focusing on the chaff. <laughs> Hone in on the on the complexity, the beauty, the beauty of the flavor is already there. Any others? It's only because I looked there first. Yes, sure. Um, the question is about boredom. Boredom. Oh, yep. Yeah. It's not there is no boredom. Okay, next. <laughs> There's no boredom. What does this word mean? It's, of course, this class. This is a retreat on Mahamudra. What boredom? What is there? There's mind. There's no boredom. Look at it. What's boredom? Another label. For what? Sparkling mind. Yes. Um these resting sessions that we have between um activities. Well I hope you're resting I hope you're resting in the meditation too. Yes. Um mantra? Pardon? Like good. Is that the ultimate training for non clean awareness? No. No, the ultimate training for non clean awareness is to see the nature of mind. Next question. <laughs> I have these are I'm I'm actually giving you all serious answers. <laughs> In my mind, I think Michael's first, yes? Uh, sometimes uh, I notice that you are rolling the eyes up. Do I do? You? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Next question.
1: Um, the Following the, the breath in the, in the Anapanasati type of method uh, and bringing it down, did you refer to that as supported or unsupported?
0: Some texts we refer to as supported, some as unsupported. I do, true. Sure. I consider it supported still because you're following an object. As long as you're following an object of. of uh, squirrel, okay. Help as long as you're following an object of sensation, it's supported. You see, this is. This, let, me, let me read to you. Oh, hello. It's, it's, it's uh, beautifully laid out in the... Um, it's very short. It's not that it isn't glorious. In the, in the text, clarifying natural state is extremely uh, brief in, the, in that section, not in the, in, the, um, in the insight section. In this one, it's a bit more extensive in the uh, samatha section. Uh, it starts out with essential postures of body and mind. Finding it, it, it basically says, and it's true, if you find the right posture... Uh It doesn't mean how you hold yourself. But if you find the right posture, even to a centimeter, and and you're in a reasonable shape, you're not full of afflictive emotions, all this sort of thing, your mind will settle. So it is saying, just as a summary, it's saying that the full lotus posture, the vajra posture, uh, in theory, just the posture alone will bring the winds uh, to, to a degree of settling. And then in the next uh, section is focusing on a visual object using a visual object stick, crystal, a, um, a seed syllable. Uh, there's a tradition of uh, using a, a seed syllable. People line up, and they used to do it in Tibet, line up in a row over a cliff. And they just have, or in front of a cliff, and they have a, a seed syllable, and that's their meditation until until they can go, and y- they use that as a point of focus. So different different kinds of traditions on this, a thangka, um Anything just about will do. So using that as a uh, a hook, really a hook for the consciousness. See, he's gotten here visualizing um, the syllables om, ah, hung. uh, In short, this is a beautiful line by the ninth karma, in short, you should aim and fix your mind single-pointedly to whatever type of visual form suits it and gives it pleasure to hold. That's why, that's why I picked a, when I, I, I went through this step-by-step-by-step by step by step in detail. Once in retreats, um, this is a major, major text to study in practice. and practice. So the one I picked was a crystal ball uh, from Japan. It was a perfect, I, I bought it in Japan for that purpose. I liked it. It was a flawless uh, rock crystal uh, sphere. And uh, I thought, okay, that will hold my interest. But it could be anything. And then it's other sensory objects. Now this training, we're not doing so much in this uh, retreat, but you have actually been doing it, in, you actually have been practicing it in the Vajragini Asadna, which is all senses. So a classic practice in Mahamudra, also you see it in Zogchen texts as well, is to take a week or take even longer where you hone in on each sense and settle the mind through each sense. You just go into just the seeing, just the tasting, just the hearing, just the, the, the touching, so on. And um, normally when I do this, these kinds of retreats, uh, or have done these kinds of retreats, I will spend at least a day, sometimes two days, on each sense, exploring just pure sensing, pure sensing, pure sensing, pure sensing, pure sensing, sensing. so the consciousness just experiences sensing. Okay. except for letting your mind... And, and this he repeats this in almost in every section of Samatha because it is the key uh, instruction. Except for letting your mind settle to its own level, you should not make any judgments whatsoever about the quality, quantity, and so forth of your object. You don't care what kind of object it is. If you're tasting coffee, it's taste. No orange flavor... No subtle flavor of rose petal. Nope. Just tasting. The sensation of taste, the sensation of taste, moment after moment after moment. And that brings the mind to rest instead of discursive. Now, what is that? Now, of course, we uh, do tasting um, usually once or twice a day to, to bring out the capacity to, be, to differentiate. But when it comes to this, you don't want to be doing that. It's just the experience, pure sensation, pure sensation without judgment, letting the, the mind rest. And then then next one, eliminating mental dullness and agitation. And then you have a section called focusing on no object. Now, it says, uh, the karma says, as for directing your mind on no basis or object. Now this is basically a Jhana. This is taking the object away. But, you see, it's the first introduction to non-clinging meditation. It doesn't mean no object, really. It means no object in particular. Namjuram is very clear and explicit on this, and I I do agree. Um, It doesn't mean no object, because there actually still is an object. If it's pure insight, there'd be no object. In particular. You have to understand that. If If it's the... a jhana of nothing, then there's no object. And neither perception, there's no object. It's not even a you. But, as for directing your mind on no basis or object, you should stare blankly into space straight in front of you with open eyes and not direct your mind at any object whatsoever. So, this this is a change now. You go from object, object, interest in the object, able to stay with an object, as a hook for the mind to come to rest, now what you do is place the mind in space. Let the mind rest in the space of the room or the space outside and let it come to rest. A lot of people find that difficult because they've got nothing to focus on. Space is not anything to focus on. You're not actually even focusing on space. You're placing your mind in spaciousness and not clinging to anything Uh, whatsoever. That alone is sufficient for all of these practices. It's a very direct way. Without letting your mind think about anything, do not allow even the slightest mental wandering. Do not direct your mind to thoughts of what qualities a state has or does not have, or the past or the future. Post your mindfulness as a spy to check with great diligence that you do not wander astray, then relax. In other words, place yourself in a tranquil, uncontrived state of being here and now. So if you find in this no object in particular, no hanging on to any object at all, and you find that thoughts are beginning to come in and wander, you up the mindfulness, learn how to up the mindfulness, tighten up the mindfulness. So you might even go into the box method and then relax back into spaciousness. So for instance, if you find when you're doing this practice, which is your practice for today by the way, so thanks for the question right on is now to lift the gaze up, not and watch the head so the head isn't like this but like this and you may find lots of eye strains so close your eyes when you need to and and it take could take you a week or longer before the eyes dearmor enough that you can just hold them open um, for an hour or hour, two hours and just, just open. takes takes practice. Yes? What is it when the eyes jump, jump around? Like you're looking ahead and the eyes just go? Because they're jumping around all the time. What's the, what's the, you might be catching actually that the eyes are jumping around. But you want them to become steady. I can't remember, what's the the number of milliseconds for each change? 30 milliseconds? Something like that, for a saccade. So so the eyes are going like this all the time. You know the word ballistic? Like a ballistic missile? The eyes are... You you can't... If you look in a mirror, you probably won't be able to see it. You have to trick yourself to be able to see it. Someone else can see it, but the eyes are going like this. All over the place. Just like this. And it's making up the map of the experience. Um, so you want to settle the eyes down, settle the eyes down, settle the eyes down. Settle. relax, 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 relax. So the it's, it's like it's like a consciousness hanging in space. Consciousness hanging in space.
1: Yeah.
0: So uh, that will that will um, um, Doris, that will pass. That's just that's a phase. It'll pass. And the eyes become more steady and more open. It may be, if, it, if, it's, uh, if the eyes are moving, it can actually be a sign that there's agitation. And watch, then the thoughts will come in. So one of the things, actually that's very good, um, good point. One of the things you, you do is, as the calm deepens, uh, these are all things that really, I, I've never found in a text, but just, just, you'll learn. As the calm deepens, and your mindfulness deepens, you will pick up the subtle little hints before it ever happens that the mind is going to begin to wander. You will pick up the subtle irritation in the body. You'll pick up the subtle energetic movement in the body that actually there's now beginning to come wandering, even before there's any wandering. Once you get to that point, you can tighten up a little, you can do things just tightening up a little bit, and they'll go. Or open up your experience so you actually sense your whole body as opposed to one area beginning to tighten or spasm or uh, agitate and just just so one, one thing I've said to many people and I find this works is if there begins to be mental wandering or the body becomes agitated and you can pick up the first signs of agitation like a low-level rumble in the energy body then uh, you may want to go back to the, the contact with the breath somewhere, even at the tip of the nose, or in the belly, or go back into the gentle vase, and you'll see it will usually clear. It might save you months of practice. <laughs> yeah. And you'll see it just vanish. Because what's really happened is you've gotten too cerebral. It's very easy in this type of meditation to, be, to enter into a kind of a head trip, where you're in your head. Does that make sense? That's why all this practice in the genital, all the, the bum or the the hri in the genital, the hri in the navel, in the heart, to get you out of the head, energetically out of the head. So what happens is you're looking like this, and you're using this area. But actually, you want to be in an open sphere, like a bubble, body like a bubble, hollow body. Yes. So it's important that you establish first that you're in a total body. So, first foundation of mindfulness. Don't, don't, don't think this is, it vanished, the, the four foundations of mindfulness. The first foundation of mindfulness is what? Mindfulness of body and the complete body. Even the hollow body is mindfulness of body because if you practice mindfulness of body, kainupasana, technical name, kainupasana, what are you going to come to? The hollow body. None other, even if you're not a tantric practitioner, you will still come to the hollow body. All you're experiencing is a construction of mind called body. There's nothing there. Is that making sense? So if you don't start there, that's why I say, <coughs> before you begin and you go like this, make sure you've, you, your body is in contact. Take a minute or two with the posture of the body, as it says in this text. It starts with body in this text is allow the sensation of your bum and your legs and your arms so you have a body. Then as you arise as a yidam, it's a hollow body. Well, that's actually kind of pasna. Because that's where it will go. You'll feel blissful through your body. That's bliss, emptiness, hollow body. You see how straightforward this is? You're training in this. You're training in this. You're training in this. To enter the hollow body with your eyes open is this. That means the hollow body, there's no me, there's no body that's here and no room that's out there and no universe that's out there. It's all one giant or small hollow body. Or a hollow body of illusion. uh, Clues? Mm -hmm. Are these mutations conducted from any center then? Have no center, have no center. Make sure, make sure that you, if you have a center, that's for practice. But you see, what you're really practicing is the meditation of the central channel. Where is the central channel? Now, if you have a central channel that's here or there, there's an observer with a mind looking at a central channel. That's not central channel. If there is a Yab-Yom central channel, that is, Dorji Pomo with the the Katanga staff, they're in union. There's no you and a central channel. There's no me and a central. There's no my central channel. There's simply central channel of unity of space. The space channel. (laughs) As opposed to the comedy channel. Or the... CNN channel, okay? It's it's a space channel. It's an open, spacious channel of unity where the mind is fused in an union with this space-like nature. No object in particular. Not even a you. Do not wander for even an instant. Be as attentive when threading a needle. Beautiful. Now, the question is, can you thread a needle for two or three minutes? Can you thread a needle for an hour? Can you thread, thread... So where do you start? That beautiful attentiveness of one or two seconds. Beautiful attentiveness for a minute. And then eventually you learn to thread, stay in the hole of the needle. And actually, I've given this out many times in retreat, is take a needle and thread, and... See the, feel the kind of attention required to put the thread in the needle. That same attention is it. Do not let your mind be turbulent. Rather, have it like an ocean without any waves. Do not self-consciously try to accomplish anything. Rather, fix your mind like an eagle soaring. So uh, if some of you have had this experience, you'll know what it's like. When the eagle soars, that's it. It's a perfect description. When the Garuda goes flying through the sky, soaring mind, soaring mind, let loose, you know? Like the, um, the falcon. Instead of being tethered, let loose. Let loose in, in, in space. That's it. That's, that's really it. Be completely free from all expectations and worries. When you have no mental wandering, thoughts will not come. But when mental wandering occurs, then try. Then, because your thoughts will come one after the other, try to recognize them for what they are as soon as they arise. What are they? See, he's, he's, he's in the Samatha section, but he's already jumped right into insight. Every, every section of the Samatha, um, the Ninth karpa, we have a, a, a visitor, he keeps looking in. squirrel. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, he keeps every section of the Samatha, he keeps actually straying into the Mahamudra. Actually actually points out what you're really looking for. This is what's an amazing text. When mental wandering occurs, then because your thoughts will come one after the other, try to recognize them for what they are as soon as they arise. What are these thoughts anyways? See so now you get psychological. Why am I having them? How come I'm having them? This is unimportant, by the way. I tell you, you're going to waste your whole life away. You'll just waste your entire life away. What are they? Should they be there? Why shouldn't? That's not important. you can spend an entire lifetime waste, wasted, unless you actually find out what thoughts are. In other words, stare right at them and then fix your mind as before. No matter what thoughts arise this way, just recognize them for what they are. What are these thoughts? Jillian, you're having thoughts. You're still having thoughts about bounded space or bounded mind or unbounded mind and a a mind that's experiencing it. Those are thoughts. When the eagle soars, that's a different experience. Place your attention right on them without thinking anything like, I must block them or I have succeeded. You know that one? Have you ever had the golf commentator? When you succeed in having absolutely no thoughts, all of a sudden there's like, you did it. You did it. Oh my God, did it. What a fantastic shot.
1: <laughs>
0: hey, hey Bob. That was an amazing par four shot, Bob. Have you ever had, have you ever had that? Up? Isn't it amazing? That's I call that like the golf commentator stage. Before it really settles, there's a golf commentator stage that's so there, and when it really goes well, it's like, that is amazing. You are, you are so good. You are really so good. And you go, shut up, would you? No, you're, you're, you're right on, you're right on. Be quiet, you're ruining my meditation. Is that true? Yeah, yes. You're ruining my meditation. Yes. And the more you say, you're ruining my meditation, goes, oh, well, you're, you, it w- was right on. <laughs> and now, 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 Bob, now, Bob, he's really wandering. He's all over the place. Bob, he hit the trees. Bobby can't even find this ball. Ah! And you're going, just you shut up. Would you be quiet? Who is this Bob? And who is this golf commentator? Have you ever had that? It's quite funny, it's just amazing. Eh? It's, a, it's a stage. It's a stage, guaranteed. The mind will deeply settle after that at some point.
1: I tell you. But you
0: have, to go, you have to go through the golf commentator.
1: <laughs>
0: both, both thick and thin. So, it's great. Hopefully you haven't watched too much golf before you start meditating. <laughs> and I have exceeded in blocking them or feeling happy or unhappy. Just look at them with the eye of discriminating awareness. Take the thought itself as the basis of the object in your mind and hold and fix upon it. Train your mind not to fall into either too tense or too loose a stage. This state, this takes time. It's an art. It's a craft. Some of you are going, "Oh, I'm not kidding. You. It's a craft. It's like anything else. Like, like um, how long does it take to become a good potter on the wheel? Months, gem cutting, months, 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 months. Cello, flute, piano, right? Anybody ever play piano? Mm-hmm. Does it take time? Yes. Like, unless, it's probably a child project. Actually, it took me a day. <laughs> I was five year old and it took me a day. And I played uh, Chopin's, uh, I can just see it in the room. Sometimes I do that, you know, I say, whoever's done, you know, they go, goes, yeah, I, I did that in a day.
1: i oh, get out of here. <laughs>
0: Whole room full of child prodigies. So how long it take you to play the flute? One morning. <laughs> how long it take you to learn to get, you know, pretty good at golf? An hour. <laughs> okay. It takes time. It's a craft. It's a craft. Just, just if you approach it as, as um, learning how to uh, weave a rug, how to paint, uh, paint it. It, it simply is a craft that you have to learn the flavors and the qualities. And you, you, these practice texts are absolutely supreme. Absolutely supreme. Every word is accurate. I tell you, I'm telling you, every word is spot on. When it says eagle soaring, it means eagle soaring. All exact descriptions. And it gets winnowed down after thousands of years. They winnow it down as to what's important. And if they're really good, they start important, and they don't, miss, they don't actually waste a word. Every line, every line, every word. Okay. And then um, uh, focusing on the breath and, and the three stages of the mind, which I explained yesterday, voz, gentle vase breathing, or counting, there's different methods. There's one method that I learned when, before I uh, had a teacher, which is in the Drikhan uh, tradition, which is counting the breaths all day. So you start with 21, and then you work up, and then you see how far you can count. I, I really like this method. I've used this a lot in retreat. As it's my it used to be my uh, start-the-retreat training method. Uh, it's from the Drikong uh, tradition, from first text I ever started with in meditation, first meditation book, which is um, a Drikong manual of uh, Mahamudra and the six yogas. And uh, as I said, I found it in my public library. My school library, high school library, had... Evan Wentz's uh, book on 19, think 1937 translation of a Drikung Mahamudra and Six Yogas text, um, Secret Doct- uh, Tibetan Yoga and Secret Doctrines was his title. I, it's interesting, you know, they put the word yoga on there and so on, but Evan Wentz never translated. He even knew at that time it wasn't yoga, it was, doc- it was uh, dharmas, the dharmas of Naropa. But it's the editor, I understand, that actually changed it to yogas so that people would understand what it meant. So it's interesting how that stuck. And now today in the West, it's yogas. So in that method, you start by counting to, um, it's very old, very old classic method. Uh, you count to 10. How many of you have done this? Yes, it's very classic. One in, one out. Two in, two out. Yes, and you count to 10. Mm-hmm. And if you lose track, you start it at one again, or zero. Okay? And then you get to 21. So if you can stay perfectly focused to 21, then you have the first stage of calm. So now the method is, after you can do that very, very well, and you can stay perfectly counting and on track without wandering, uh, then you count. see how far you can, you can go in a session. So see how far you can go in one hour. If you lose count, anywhere in that hour, you're at five thousand three hundred and forty. Uh, you go back to one, go back to zero. Okay, it's a great game. It's like a game, it's, it's, it's like Angry Birds or something. And it's a bit like that. You keep, you keep track. And every day or half day, you see how fur, further can you go. Uh, and, he, and then if you can keep track in a full hour without ever losing the number in an hour, you know exactly what the number is. Not, I remember what number it is, but you know with certainty what number it is. And you count. And then you do it longer, longer, longer. In that Drikung tradition, or it might be other traditions too, but wouldn't be surprised, is they, they ask you to do it for 24 hours. Keep track mindfully for 24 hours. Stay awake 24 hours. How many breaths do you have in a day?
1: Okay.
0: So there's different methods. of It says count, you're inhaling, exhaling, and holding your breath. Count first up to 21 rounds, then gradually extend it to 100. Well, in certain traditions, not just 100. Uh, go as far as you can for as long as you can. Uh, direct your mind to your nostrils and hold your attention on counting your breaths without letting your mind wander elsewhere. Now, this is interesting. This, this is a fa- fantastic uh, next paragraph. I, I, I don't know if you'll pick up the significance of it. I hope you do. So now you've gone from counting breaths to placing the breath at the tip of the nose, yes? Mm-hmm. In the text? By the North Karanpo? Then it says, but if you can hold your breath while your body is filled with air... Then release it with the vase breathing technique. You should first expel the air from your lungs three times and then so on. Do this again and again and do not let your mind wander to any other than, anything other than this. That's basically it. And he talks about mental agitation, dullness. He says, if you cannot settle your mind on any of these types of objects enumerated, that means all the ones in this, so far in this section, in this, in this chapter, If you cannot settle your mind on any of these types of objects enumerated, then take any other kind of object for meditation that suits you. Personality types are not all the same. You hear that? Whatever you find, use it. If it works, use it. If you suddenly find that you can count from 100 back down to zero, and that works for you, hallelujah. I'm serious. Some people hear the teachings just two or three times and they're able to develop a settling of their mind. They're known as the quick ones. Some are unable to develop this even though they meditate a great deal. What happens if you meditate a great deal and you cannot settle your mind? What does that mean? If you cannot settle your mind and you meditate a great deal, you should know what this means. Some of you are actually teachers. What does it mean? Pranas, pranas are not subtle. Why? Why are they not subtle? Always go back to fundamentals. Remember, the parami are not strong. Insufficient strength. The parami. There's not sufficient generosity. There's not sufficient. There's somewhere. There's an ethical break. Samaya or um, um, monastic precept. Somewhere are the five precepts. There is a breakage in your life previously or before, somewhere, too much agitation. Ethics, eth- ethics have been compromised. Or generosity. Um, or there's insufficient patience. So you look at, at energy, not enough energy. So, so really, you can usually go back the first two. Generosity and, and ethics. Usually, or, or it might not even be big ethics or difficult ethics relative to society, but relative to you. So another way of stating this is let me know if you don't understand this. I'll just go, because I'm, I want to get back to the text. But in, in parami, in strength, what is a very difficult breach of ethics for one being can be nothing for another being. The littlest thing can set one person off. For another person, it wouldn't even matter at all. It would be just gone in a second, depending on your strength. So for a being that has weak karmic patterning, a little tiny thing can cause such damage to themselves and others. Where somebody who has tremendous strength can actually do all kinds of things that are considered by society maybe not very wholesome, but uh, can withstand it. So you get terrible. You get beings like, um, I mean, it's amazing. You think of someone like Stalin or Mao Zedong uh, Mao Zedong, the greatest mass murderer ever recorded on the planet. 70, Seventy-five uh, million people known that he killed, he ordered killed, in some way. Either it was you know the starvation of an entire city, or the bombing of a city, or or um, killing his own troops off. You know, he did that, eh? He'd send a general over here, and he'd send a general. He knew that the other forces, uh, Ch- Shanghai Shet, were over there and he'd send them right into it without, without the proper preparation to kill off a rival. Extraordinary. 75 million people. He lived to a ripe old age. He wasn't practicing longevity, necessarily practicing longevity yoga. Okay. So, if the mind is ruffled and it just will not settle, obviously the pranas are agitated, which means something's agitating us. Yes? And if your thoughts are really, really agitating and can't settle, then you have to do things to unsettle. So, for instance, uh, prostrations with a refuge and bodhicitta, um, building stupas, a little cold right now, building, building stupas, making satsas, which are uh, little uh, offerings, clay offerings, or, or food offerings, making tormas, classic method, make hundreds if not thousands and thousands and thousands of tormas hmm? and offer them up to the sources of refuge. Offer them, offer them, offer them. Gifts, gifts to the order, gifts to the teachers, gifts to the sangha. Do things to correct the um, uh, ethical or the uh, difficulty in generosity. Hmm? It's just the mind's too too, uh, worried, too agitated. Any questions about that? Oh, this is why it's really important to study Buddha Dharma. It's why it's really important to start with four noble truths, the four foundations of mindfulness, the paramis, and so on, and get to know them really thoroughly, and reflect on yourself and get to know it, and go, this is for real. And and meditation by itself, muscling in with meditation, is not actually what all beings should be doing. Right? A lot of beings, they're the karmic um, um, formations. are are too big, so you do the preliminaries, and you study and you meditate, and you do the foundation practice, which is really powerful. The extraordinary foundation practice, very powerful for clearing karmic obscurations. And if they aren't, then my advice to you is you return, not because you're a bad person, uh, but you return to the extraordinary foundation practices and other kinds of things your teacher may give you, um, as a way to deeply um, take the um, um, cyclones, and tornadoes and hurricanes uh, out of your system. That's what the teacher does for you. There are great masters who've done the extraordinary, extraordinary foundation practices two, three, four, five, six times their entire life. They're high meditations for purifying and gathering the richness and the strength that one needs to do. You know, Or nunye, a very good practice, the 1000 arm chenresi practice over and over and over and over and over again to purify the mind. Some beings don't need to do as much. Some do. Some do um, because they're very wise and realize that the purification practices and the extraordinary foundation practices its such high yoga, there's really nothing else to do. Any questions so far about that? Silent, silent room. So it's same, same as in the um, uh, Clarifying the Natural State, the text by Tashi Namjil. Nourishing your meditation this way, you pass through three stages of settling your mind. The first is like a steep mountain waterfall, again from the, the Doha of Saraha. Your thoughts are coarse and many. And the second, the coarse thoughts set like the sun. Uh, although occasionally some thoughts will suddenly occur, you recognize them for what they are. As soon as you do so, they subside by themselves. The steam, this is a typo, it's never been, it's never actually, well maybe it came out of the, no it didn't come out even out of the later editions. This is an old edition. The steam of your meditation flows on gently and steadily like a steam wand on an espresso machine. No, it doesn't say that. <laughs> the, the stream of your meditation flows on gently and steadily like a mighty river. Have any of you had that? The experience, I call, it, I call it river flow samadhi. It's like being carried down a river, like being carried in the Amazon River or in a raft that you're gently being taken out of the ocean. This is a, a wonderful stage. Yes, the mind is very concentrated, like being carried in a river. Finally, all your thoughts, both coarse and subtle, set like the sun, and you settle in ecopose into a non-conceptual state, non-thinking state. Because it is possible to have such a settling of the mind into a non-conceptual state of bliss and clarity, in which your mind is in equipose, in equanimity, alert, vivid, pristine, and pure, you should enhance your enthusiastic perseverance until you attain such a settling. And even after you have reached such a state, you must practice so that its continuity will not be broken. Could it be clearer than that? That's only the ninth karma speaking. He's right on. It's one of these. By the way, this text is considered to be one of the most famous Mahamudra texts manuals of all. It is everything you need. You don't need anything more, except maybe when you need to some instructions from uh, one's Lama. But to clarify, but you'll come back again to this and say he's right on. These words are uh, extraordinary. So this, this text here, Mahamudra Eliminating the Darkness of Ignorance, is the one I mentioned the other day. There's different colors. It's an old edition, then there was blue color, or it was blue, then green, and then now I think it's published by Snow Lion. I'll read that paragraph again. Because it is possible to have such a settling of the mind, and you've all experienced, as far as I know, at some time, yes? You've all experienced a settling of the mind, whether you're meditating or not. So it's possible, isn't it? Because it's possible to have such a selling the mind into a non-conceptual state of bliss and clarity in which your mind is an equipose, alert, vivid, pristine, and pure. Those are actually what you're looking for. You don't need to look at anything else in your being but those factors. Can I repeat that? May I? That paragraph is all you need. equipose? Equanimity. Understand the word equ- equanimity? Per- perfect balance of mind, open, spacious, not thinking, just there, just there. A lovely, relaxed there. This is, this is, this is saying, don't look for other things. Keep, keep looking for this, where it is, and that's all you need. Vivid, pristine, and pure, you should enhance your enthusiastic perseverance until you attain such a settling. You'll know it. Guaranteed. You'll know it. Most people think they're enlightened when it happens. They're not. But they often think they are, and for years, and years, and years, and years, and years. and years, you will, you will be surprised. Some of you have you've had this experience before. Even after you've reached such a state, you must practice so that its continuity will not be broken. This is a sixth point for mental quiescence. And then eliminating mental... Uh, tightness and looseness, which I explained yesterday. And then the actual state of mental quiescence, which is bliss, clarity, and non-distinction. I've already um, exp- explained that. There are three equal boons that you receive in the state, bliss, clarity, and bare non-conceptuality. Okay? Now, all those uh, those three different qualities, bliss, clarity, non-conceptuality, each one will lead to psychic powers. This is where the psychic powers, through the jhanas and so on, this is where you you, you will experience things like a momentary uh, or even longer uh, levitation or reading other beings' minds or um, knowing what other beings are going to do at a distance or past, the future, all these things. Divinations, the skill of divination, being able to uh, find things that are lost or help beings knowing where they should go or what they should do or knowing people's health problems, and all kinds of things. And um, the karma is very clear on this. Stay away. Any of these may happen when your mental quiescence is faultless, and such things will develop on your mind stream like this. It's the foundation for penetrative insight, but it is not penetrative insight. If you have physical sickness, mental suffering, good or bad dreams, extrasensory, extra physical experiences, Spoons such as bliss clarity and bare non-conceptuality, no matter what happens, good or bad, do not be attached or compulsively attracted. They have no essence at all. You see how how, how easy it is to go astray? It is so easy to get lost. They have no essence. What is he saying? What's the essence? They have no essence you will just be looking in the wrong place. For sure they have no essence at all, so do not indulge yourself with any thoughts of happiness or depression about them. If you're obsessed with these boons or any of the experiences that come from the boons, they will only serve as a root for samsara. That's the case. Anything will serve as a root except the essence. So it takes... This is why the, the Lama... The Lama Mind, whoever represents that to you, the retreat master, is so important because they must keep you on the straight and narrow. Whether you're in retreat or not, it's so easy to get sidetracked. Easiest thing. And then fame and pride and politics of religion and politics of spirituality and, and... and what you wear, and what you don't wear, and who you are, and what you are, and the zoo, and so on. Do you understand? It's huge. It's enormous. Nothing to do with liberation. Unless the being is a sufficiently um, experienced point that they can use it for compassion. Watch it. It's like poison. They will only serve as the root for samsara, making you circle into one of the three realms. They cannot liberate you from cyclic existence. And he says, even non-Buddhists have such accomplishments as these boons, but they are of no benefit to them, to anybody. They don't lead to liberation. They lead to more stuff. More stuff. If you're not using stuff for liberation and for compassion then you're collecting stuff. And you can spend the rest of your life collecting stuff. If you're using it for compassion, that's different. Okay? But if you've got more and more experiences and more cool things happening, then be sure that they're not just more things. In short, if you're obsessed with and attached to whatever experience and insight you have, you will destroy them. Talking to people about your meditation experiences, your special dreams, and if it's not your teacher or a very close uh, colleague of Dharma, very close, like a deep friend of Dharma, then you ruin them. Nothing ruins them faster than ego clinging or someone squashing them. That's such a wonderful experience. People squash them, oh yeah, mm-hmm. With exalted state of shunyata, ah, ah, and then ruins it. Be detached from them and remain steady in a non-compulsive state of being unattracted. With enthusiastic perseverance, pull yourself out of restrictive laziness. Very important. Pull your stel- yourself out of restrictive laziness. Know when you're being lazy. Know when you're being too pushy. Too pushy is a fault. Too lazy is a fault. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in natural perseverance, which means you go at your rate and increase your diligence and your perseverance at the rate that you can handle and not artificially go over the top. You'll fall. Yeah? Like the person, well, you know, they do it. They sit in boxes all night. And, you know, I stay up all night. And if you are not don't have the foundation for that, you fall. I know many people have done that. They fall. They try to be like super yogis. They fall. They're not trained. Or trying to go to the mountains and the forest and so on in a cave and you don't even know what to eat. You don't know what medicines, local medicines. There's a whole world of lore out there, you know, uh, to to do these things. Or going into retreat without enough, by yourself, without enough training. If you meditate while increasing your tolerance for hardship, and I, I, I recommend Gradually, there are some that can go sudden. There's some that can go sudden, just cold turkey, boom, right into it. That's fine. But for most, increasing your tolerance for hardships, you will reap benefits beyond all imagination. And he means that. That's not just poetic. It's beyond. It's beyond anything that anybody could conceive. Do you know there's people, out there, out there, who think that you being in retreat because I I get to hear this. It's wonderful their jaws drop. Three months for most people is considered superhuman. No. Who can do that? <laughs> Not only who can do that, but who could ever have the finances to do that? Who could ever take the time off to do that? For some, that is a superhuman um, accomplishment that is beyond most people's even can- uh, imagination. Isn't that something? Extraordinary, isn't it? And I said, well, yeah, we've done five months, too. Soon we'll do six months. <laughs> like the earth has come to an end. And I think, well, what are they doing? They've just done five years of working in an office somewhere. Day in, day out, six days a week sometimes, seven days a week, right? There's an executive, but if it's unionized, it might just be five. Yeah? In, a, in a place with fluorescent lights, with no air and so on. And I went, wow, look what they just did.
1: <laughs>
0: Is that something? I go, look look what they just did. Or mothers. By way, I'm not being negative at all, but no, mothers raising children for the first three or four years that are so, ju- so sleep-lagged that when they, sometimes I've met mothers and they tell me it took 10 years before they remembered what sleep was like.
1: <laughs>
0: and they're still sleep deprived. Yeah, well I have. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. 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 yeah, Others not. I go, and they're and they're actually wondering how you could do a a three month retreat or a six month retreat? Wow. I like and and I, I like telling them about certain certain people that have four four children and they've done three three retreats of, of this length or longer. And they go, no, no. I love it when they argue, no, not possible. I go, A- actually it is. Three, three retreats. You know, like they're there's some child killer. Yeah. A evil child killer. So, so, so that's the, even at that level, what you're doing here is considered beyond belief. Now think about the benefits that come of a mind that's stable, a mind eventually, and for some of you, you're getting there. You've got it. You've got the signs. Beautiful. Some of you more than others. Fine. Of stability. Of less emotional reactivity. Of actually seeing that that uh, these mental states are actually not necessary. I mean, this is beyond belief for a lot of people. So he's right, and beyond even what one is, even one can even imagine. If you meditate while increasing your tolerance for hardships, you will, and he means also meditating, really meditating, you will reap benefits beyond all imagination. Therefore, you must study about this with a teacher, as both the guru and disciple must not make any mistakes about the actual boons, that is bliss, clarity, non-distinction, all the stuff that comes out of it, comprehension of the instructions, meditational insights, and the way to develop mental quiescence. Make sure to recognize and know them with certainty. Uh, it's um, considered bad form for the student to let, uh, for the teacher to let students uh, wander around with delusions, and not to do whatever they can if a student is close enough for them to listen, to clarify what's when they're off, and to clarify, 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 clarify. The main thing is not to have any compulsive attraction to sensory objects and to have uncontrived admiration and loving respect for your guru. Cultivate an enlightened mode of bodhicitta with respect to the six types of beings. Compassion, compassion, compassion. Have your mindfulness keep a close check so that you have no mental wandering. Make short-term plans as if you had no time and execute them straight up and down like bells, as if you had no time left in your life. which may be, accomplish what you begin. Do not let yourself come under the sway of polite affectations or the eight worldly feelings, pride and so on. All this is very important. Now, for the the Karpa to say, all is very important, uh, he means all is very important. This is the distillation of thousands of different practitioners distilling their wisdom into a short pith text and not wasting a word. If you practice faultlessly like this, you will develop experiences and insight without any effort. Therefore, exert yourself to act in this way. That's the eight point for mental quiescence. And then into penetrative insight meditation. It's very hard to penetrate into the appearances and obscurations of the mind without this beautiful quality of mind. So you get dip your toe in, dip your toe out, dip your toe in, dip your toe out, dip it in, five seconds, two seconds, one second, half a minute. It needs to be um, uh, steady, steady, steady. Okay. So before I start another text,
1: any questions
0: to this point? Yes? Which is, clair- which is known as clarity. Yeah. And just
1: using that as seems to when the focus comes in, the brightness,
0: but that also seems to be the loosening. That's, That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, as long as... Uh, see, is a, if one focuses and uses luminosity or clarity... As a meditation, it's very, very easy not to see the empty nature of it. Mm-hmm. So, that, so so same thing. If one focuses and uses bliss as one of the, the three boons, boons, okay, we'll use that translation. But, uh, I, like, I like peels, actually. Peel it's like, it's like the glow of the sun or the glow of an orange. Uh, if one uses bliss, which is the path of Mother, mother Tantra, yes, if you use that, and don't recognize the empty nature of that, you're sunk. If you use non-thought, and you now remain in a thought-free state, and don't recognize the empty nature of that, you're sunk. So fine, as long as that becomes the vehicle for, for um, contemplating emptiness. So if luminosity is what is the strongest thing arising, and it leads to a balance, then, then great. Everybody has different propensities. Some people have a propensity for uh, non-thought, the root of non-thought. Some people have a propensity for bliss. And some people have a propensity for clarity in space or luminosity in space. And and you'll go, you know, find your way through those avenues. But ideally, really what you want, because you you can get too sucked in, is a beautiful find. And this is where you may have to go, uh, likely, uh, into retreat by yourself, where there's no nothing but practicing all day long, 20 hours a day or whatever it is, um, where uh, you um, learn, I hope you do this, you, really it's very important, to balance bliss, clarity, and non-distinction, or bliss, luminosity, and non-distinction, so it's in an even balance. And that evenness allows a very good investigative mind. What happens is, not necessarily in your case, but what happens is, when one of, the, one of these boons or one of these peels grows very, very big, That becomes the sole object of meditation. And it's unbalanced. So you get frozen ice. It gets too blissful. It gets too luminous. It gets too clear. All these things. And these are, if you look in the uh, tradition of the uh, Thai and Burmese traditions of, of Vipassana, of insight, in the manuals, you will see these are actually listed as higher defilements. Interesting, eh? All this stuff. That, that people talk about as being meditative experience, it's just called higher to follow But the path of Mahamudra is that instead of having momentary settling, uh, you train in having an open settling of a certain balance, which allows a superlative mind of insight. It's like a it's like a great um, tool uh, of insight. you see the non-grasping nature of the mind. The entire purpose of this is whatever way you go through uh, is to see the non-grasping nature. Or, or what's another beautiful word, which I, I, I like, in more in the Mahamudran Zogshan tradition, is the unobstructed nature. Now, some people interpret that, unfortunately, as, oh, space. But unobstructed means no clinging that can be found. No obstruction to mind in its um, luminous form. Uh, now remember, when I, when I say find out the essence, freedom. What are the hallmarks of freedom? Get to know the hallmarks of freedom. Not the glow of the sun. It's too blinding. It's too, too, too blinding. Is the consciousness free Or is it lost in an experience that may be very, very beautiful, but it's entrancing? This is very difficult. Very, very difficult. Essentially what you are is you're on safari. It would be very good to go on safari or a dive trip. (laughs) I know of one, actually. Anybody's got any money left after this? Uh, there's a lovely dive, uh, dharma uh, teaching, and uh, and um, a dive trip, or a snorkeling if you don't dive, uh, in Honduras. Just asked shortly after this in, in early January. <laughs> but but I, I do mean um, you're on a safari where you're looking for the rare antelope that only appears rarely and you need incredible observation skills and instruction from a nature guide to spot it and learn its sounds and its movements and its scratches, you know, it makes this kind of, only at three o'clock in the afternoon. And it makes this beautiful little call, Oh ho, Oh ho, Oh ho, what is that? What is that? That's not important, bliss. Meanwhile, ah 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 bliss, or luminosity, you know, whatever it is. Or I'm having no thoughts. That's it, that's it, I'm having no thoughts. It's a dharmakaya. No, it's no thoughts. I'm having stars, I'm having stars and planets. Stars and planets. See? So this is like a safari. And what you're doing is you're going to be spotting uh, what is very difficult to see because it's camouflaged. But it's right there. So I'm, I'm referring to an experience I had in... Um, in Zimbabwe, I'm referring to an experience I had. I'm referring to an experience I had in Zimbabwe in uh, 1905 on safari when we were big game hunting. This is what it sounds like, doesn't it? So uh, let me relate this to you. I you uh, uh, well in 1905, when we were big game hunting uh, in Zimbabwe, uh, we were looking for the lions. No, we, were, we were in, in Zimbabwe. I remember, never forget this. And. Uh, we were in a forest clearing in a savanna, and there was uh, a forest back there. And the guide said, uh, Look at the um, zebras. Where? <laughs> Look at the zebras. 200 meters, 200 feet away, something like that. They're right there. And then all of a sudden, oh my goodness. <laughs> You're looking right at them. Okay? It's exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. The brightness of the three boons, the brightness of what, what's called the three peels, in, in, as translated in, in, um, by Eric Payne-Kunzang and some other, other texts, the, those three boons or those three peels, like lemon peel or rind, uh, blind you to the nature that's right before your eyes. It's a safari trip. You are, you're on safari, you're looking for the essence. And if you have the chitta quality, what is the enlightened mind? And don't get sidetracked into the boons, then you'll go. So the nature guide is there to tell you, don't keep looking at the this and that. What's the essence of safari? What's the essence of all the animals? What's the essence of looking, you see? And that's, that's 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 important. Cool. The entrancement is very high.
1: <laughs>
0: and by the way, in the, the text, the the um, um, the text called uh, "Ascending Mount Carmel" by Saint John the Cross describes it exactly the same. He says, Watch out! Watch out! And he describes them all. Describes them all, even more than this. But all the things you can get into. Uh, but saying you know you have to be free of everything free of everything even your name even the nature of God everything everything strip it bare strip it bare naked Saint John the cross can you imagine Spanish medieval Spanish Catholic meditator S- using the word naked you've got to become naked not nude naked could you imagine yeah right right in most one of the famous most famous the ascent of Mount Carmel Naked, naked, strip, keep stripping everything bare, keep stripping it bare. Ask what is the essence, what is the essence, what's the essential nature of everything? Don't stop. And when you do discover, you then further and further and further and further and further and further. further. I recommend something that maybe you don't do, or maybe you do do, you do do do, but I recommend when you find a practice text or someone gives you a practice text and says study it, that you not only read it once or twice or three times, but 30 or 40 or 50 times, line by line, line by line, line by line. Yeah, these are memorization texts, by the way. Oh, this this one is uh, uh, widely available, widely, widely available. And I tell you, this is a supreme text. I'm biased. I'm completely biased. This is this is a text that I studied and was told to to uh, do something with. Um, uh, f- you know, since nineteen eighty, this ma- major practice text. And I'm biased. That every word in here is true. Every word is not wasted. the, 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 the not the commentary. The commentary is fine. But the the big text of the uh, by the Karpa. Uh This one is a gem. This is a great gem. I gave this to Rinpoche actually. I said this is this is my. I told him one day. I said this is my favorite of all time. This is this is a jewel among jewels. This text. But actually, this should come first. First, second. This is this is a slightly dangerous text without this one first. And this is, has much more extensive um, teachings on the Samatha section. It's too it's almost too brief for most meditators in here. This has full of, of, wonderful, helpful aid for uh, the Samatha uh, section. This book uh, was my companion in the Arctic. Uh, was my bedside uh, book for uh, about ten years uh, in the Arctic. So every night, every night, and through the day, this was my uh, contemplate my daily contemplations, my meditation for the day. This text, reading it over and over and over again. Um, Until the pages wear out. (laughs) And this is a this is a beauty. This is a a recent a recent find from last trip to India. So I want to uh, begin to uh, give readings now um, by Lama or uh, Lama Shang or Shang Rinpoche. So uh, does anybody have any, any questions about the practice for today? Just the practice for today. I don't mind. If you can, re- if you can reside in a state of perfect uh, bliss, clarity, and non-distinction and uh, are uh, uh, penetrating for the essence, then that's great. But otherwise, today is uh, no letting the mind rest in no object in particular. If you can't do that, then just go, that's okay. If you can't do that's fine. All these things you may have to go into a retreat for a month or two or three or four, five or six. Uh, some people do, and, and actually all people do, to get proficient. But uh, today is resting the mind in no object in particular. This would be bounded or boundless space. Just letting the mind rest with the eyes open softly, and don't let it be caught in any particular thing at all. And then you balance. Learn the art So maybe write this down. Learn the art, the craft of balancing. Once you start to have these, learn to balance bliss, clarity, or luminosity, space. Uh, That's what clarity means. And no thought, no concept. Okay? Just learn to balance, learn to balance. Bring one up, it's too strong, let one go. Learn to try to find, like entering and exiting Jhana. Learn to find this beautiful balance. Beautiful balance, beautiful balance. Resting the mind. Resting the mind, easily resting the mind, okay. Until it really is there, and then if it's there, uh, again and again and again and again and again, everything you do, right? Opening up the refrigerator, there. Going to the toilet, there. Brushing your teeth, there. Eventually, until you can talk to someone and they're there. There's no difference. Talking, speaking, there's matter. But that may have to do with some some other experiences. Now, in this beautiful text called The Unrivaled Instructions of Shang Rinpoche, the title from the 13th century, The Unrivaled Instructions of Shang Rinpoche, the preliminaries and main practice the great meditation of Mahamudra, also known as Shonu that was his other name. And he was in the tradition of Gampopa. Interesting paragraph for you. Very, very um, uh, hard for Westerners to believe. But uh, whether the, this is before that, uh, this next section, whether the blessings the Kagyu lineage enters you or not, whether you develop meditation or not, depends on your devotion. Devotion to what? Enlightenment mind and devotion towards uh, blessings of lineage. Develop devotion until you shed tears. A dry supplication will bring you only dry blessings, and you will develop only dry meditation. Therefore, pray in such a way that you weep. Mm. That means you absolutely weep in the preciousness of the teaching. You've never—maybe some of you have seen me weep. I've weeped at just even the thought of my teacher, the thought of the preciousness of Dharma. I will cry. It's that precious. It's that absolutely essential. This alone is the heart of practice dedicated to devotion, the mahamudra of devotion. In Dharma terms, it's called the aspect of method. Okay. Now the instructions of the main practice, the mahamudra. And he's quoting from a text. Which text is that? 135. Source unidentified. Hasn't been found. <laughs> That happens to me too, anyways. You know, sometimes I, I do that, I'll find a quote and I love it and I don't put the source and I go to, I a clue where it came from. Okay, anyways, this, when they do this, they try to find all the uh, quotes because in, in Tibetan, uh, these texts, they don't actually put footnotes of, of it came from here, it came from there, it came from there. But occasionally what they do is they say, uh, and the great tantra of such and such says. Then it's easy to find. But sometimes they just don't. So it starts off, the conqueror taught that emptiness is a samadhi of all the Buddhas. Well, will tell you exactly what the point is, doesn't it? The conqueror, the Buddha, the, 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 the great Shakyamuni Buddha said uh, that, that emptiness is the samadhi of all the Buddhas, is the meditation of all the Buddhas. The meditation. It can only be attained through the recognition of the mind and not through anything else. Okay, finished. That's it. Now that has to be heard over and over and over again. It can only be attained through the recognition of the mind. Recognition of the mind. What is the nature of mind? Not the appearance of all the kinds of states of mind. What is the nature? And not through anything else. From the Wisdom Upon Passing Away Sutra, occasionally just on quotes, if the mind is realized, that is wisdom. Therefore, meditate perfectly on understanding that Buddhahood is not to be searched for anywhere else. If the mind is realized, that is wisdom. Therefore, meditate perfectly on understanding that Buddhahood is not to be searched for anywhere, uh, anywhere else. You won't find Buddhahood anywhere else than where? Mind. Mind. Now, uh, from uh, Shang Rinpoche. it is called mind. It is called knowing. It is called thoughts. It is called mindfulness. Essentially, it's simply this continuous cognition, this flow of thoughts that you will, that you continually call my mind. I'll read that again. Essentially, it's simply this continuous cognition this flow of thoughts that you continually call my mind. When you know its nature, you attain Buddhahood. When you don't know it, you wander in samsara. Therefore, you must know the nature of the mind. That's the entire essence of Mahamudra. As Agchen. This is what the general Dharma teachings call, quote, the aspect of wisdom. But here it's called, quote, the instruction of the main practice. Therefore, I earnestly request you to practice it. As taught above, develop love, compassion, and supreme bodhicitta. Love, compassion, supreme bodhicitta. Without it, there will not be Buddhahood. Recite the hundred syllables, the hundred syllable mantra, purify, purify, purify. Offer mandalas, you see? Again, right right there in the main practice, all of a sudden it's coming up again. Do what you need to be strong, do what you need to be pure, do what you need to be unruffled. Supplicate, be devotional, and so on. It's taught that after completing those, quote, supplicate with intense faith and devotion, clear your mind of its pollution. And also, quote, without much darkness from examination analysis, rest in a relaxed, free, uncontrived state. That's what you want. Free, uncontrived state. No fabrication. No fabricant. No fabrication. Just just loose like an eagle soaring. Like a eagle looking on high, soaring through the winds. Just effortless, effortless, effortlessly anyway. moving. After tears have flowed from genuine devotion to the Guru, meditate that the Guru with overwhelming compassion for you melts into light and dissolves into your body completely. It's taught, merge and deeply, totally relax the body and mind. Relax lo- loosely and rest completely. Do not meditate on anything. Do not pollute the naturally pure mind with the stains of meditation. This is what devotion is. Devotion means you surrender to the infusion of mind in mind, like a river merging with a river, like space merging with space. You completely surrender to being struck. The thunder enters your being. Quote, "Merge, merge and deeply, totally relax the body and mind. Relax loosely and rest completely. Do not meditate on anything. Do not pollute the naturally pure mind with the stains of meditation. So are the stains the... Bliss, clarity, non-distinction. The stains of meditation. And the stains of what's called meditation practice. And the stains of thinking you're meditating. So is... Believing you're meditating. Believing you have an object of meditation. Believing that you're supposed to have bliss. <coughs> believing you're supposed to have clarity believing you're supposed to have non-thought. All this. Oh, i yeah, got more of this, more of this. Let go all the stains of meditation. Stains. The, the peels. Let go of all the peels. Now this is Mahamudra. We've now crossed into Mahamudra. I'm going to go back and forth between these two texts. I, I just really, I think this one is so, they're beautiful. Right? They're great, great practitioners. Well, he's quoting from somebody, but they don't know who he's quoting from. <laughs> Do not meditate on Dharmakaya. You know I I'm meditating on Dharmakaya. Don't. Do not meditate on transcendence of the intellect. Don't try to transcend the intellect. Do not meditate on emptiness. Do not meditate on birthlessness. Do not meditate on luminosity. Do not meditate on Mahamudra. So what do you do? see? You see? So when you're in a perfect state of calm, bliss, clarity, non-distinction, you want to meditate on those. Don't. That's your trap. Don't. Now, I'm meditating on the Dharmakaya Buddha. Don't. I'm meditating on the, the Tathagatagarbha. Don't. I'm a Mahamudra meditator. Don't. I'm a Zogchan practitioner. (coughs) Do not move the body. Do not close the eyes. Do not go after past consciousness. Do not go to meet future consciousness. That means thoughts, future ideas. Completely rest solely in the present without any calculation. Fabrication. Find natural presence. But with vivid appearances, clear knowing, and a completely natural, naked consciousness. Oh, he says it too. Naked. Naturally naked. Naturally naked. Rest in a state of clarity and naturalness. Rest relaxed without tightness. Do not examine or analyze good and bad. Do not have doubts about what is or isn't. When thoughts appear, do not follow after their numerous appearances. Rest completely like a sheaf of hay that has had its string cut. I wish we could do this. It would be lovely, um, oh, you people, you know, all this good coffee when, in fact, what you really need is be buying bales of hay. This place should be filled with bales of hay, hundreds of thousands of bales of hay, all tied up with a rope or a wire, yes? And we need wire cutters. We should all have a wire cutter as that squirrel's just having a great time. <laughs> Bouncing around. Do, 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 do. Looking. Do, do. Uh, bales of hay, all tied with, with wire or string, right? And you've all got shears. Metal shears. And just maybe a hundred thousand times, go along and go. That's exactly the experience. That's exactly it. You cut the tie. Cut the tie of clinging. Cut the tie of Holding, grasping, and the mind come experiences total resting relaxation. That's the entrance of the energies into the central channel. It's distinctive. The mind just goes like that. That's initially, anyways. Initially it's very exciting. After a while, so I'm okay. It wears off the, the initial. But for the first Just like that. So imagine that, okay? Imagine that. Otherwise, if you don't get it, I'm going to be asking Laurel to bring in truck, trucks, <laughs> uh, bales of hay. If we can find any that are still, you know, wrapped with wire. It's pretty hard because they're, you know, they're wrapped in plastic now. But that's what might have to specially order. Find an old baler and, and shears, metal shears, you know.
1: That'll
0: be your meditation. You've all lived and grown up on farms, haven't you? You've all grown up on farms. Experienced these things? I did. Rest complete like a sheaf of hay that has had its string cut. Rest relaxed in natural consciousness. Past thoughts have ceased. The future ones have not arisen. In this relaxed, in-between state of the present, it's taught that mind is no mind. The mind's nature is luminosity. Quoted from? Probably. I don't have a clue. It's great. That's... Ah, it's from the 8,000 verse Perfection of Wisdom Sutra. Just this mind alone, which is completely empty, clear, aware, and lucid, is what is called the perfection of wisdom, luminosity, mahamudra, Zogshen, and dharmakaya. Oh my God, this is a mahamudra text. called The Perfection of Wisdom, Luminosity, Mahamudra, Zogchen, and Dharmakaya. Quoting, he's quoting from another text. Unidentified. Look directly and don't be blind. I, I really, really enjoy this. I've read this over and over again. I just, I just love the, the quality of this teacher, you can imagine. It's like, it reminds me of um, the, the strength and, and surety of Rangdol, Uh Rangdol, Rinpoche or Rangdol, Lama Rangdol in the 17th century. Look directly and don't be blind. Go where you're going and don't wander. Go where you're going and don't wander. Know where you're going. Don't wander off. See the truth and don't obscure it. That is the true nature. Rest naturally. Rest naturally. With firm control. Now you see this interesting, eh? Firm control but rest naturally. The two don't make don't don't seem to make any sense but they do. With firm control that means don't lose the mindfulness for even a moment. That's firm control. Not control but no wandering. With firm control rest, relaxed and naturally solely in empty stainless knowing. It's taught that meditation is simply a term used for when without meditation you are naturally at rest in simple equanimity. You see in the Mahamudra and Zogchen traditions, the word meditation doesn't mean what most people think it means. It means the mind in its naturally relaxed state of, of luminosity, of clarity, not um, a dull or a um, even a thoughtless state. It's a vivid, uh, open presence. Now, what you have to remember when they use the word emptiness, they use the word uh, constantly. Use the word. Um, uh, empty. Remember it's the word shunyata. And that shunyata doesn't mean an empty state. It means f- a free state. So just keep remembering. Because people go, well it's empty. It's empty of you know, thoughts. Empty of thoughts is what? Thoughtless. Right? <laughs> empty of thoughts is thoughtless. It's not it. Space is not. People ah, oh, I'm experiencing space. That's emptiness. No, space is not the same as emptiness. It's a pointer to emptiness. Luminosity is full of light. That is emptiness because it's full of light. It's just effervescent, like uh, champagne bubbles. Nope. It must have the hallmarks of non-clinging. No clinging whatsoever. An eagle soaring through space is, is actually better. Free of all encumbrance. Free of thoughts of past, present, future. Unbounded. Unbinded. That's even better. It is taught that meditation is or gom, probably the word gom in Tibetan. It's taught that meditation is simply a term used for when without meditation you are naturally at rest in simple equanimity. Remember that old term from the Theravada tradition from the Buddha's teachings? Equanimity. Non clinging awareness. Equanimity. Something that Namjur Rinpoche taught over and over and over and over and over and over over again. Resting in equanimity. Resting in equanimity. Resting in equanimity. Equipose. Called Equipose. Simple equanimity. Not contrived. Simple. Therefore, that is the meditation that you should do. That's what's meant by good practice. And that's what's meant by essence. Rest in that alone, naturally, as it is, relaxed. If thoughts are not appearing in that state, just rest until they appear. Are you scared of thoughts? No. Are you scared of no thoughts? No. Stop wanting anything. Resting in that way is called mind and is called knowing. But what do you know? This is the question. What do you know about that state? Or is it just resting? Resting is not the same as resting. Meditation is not the same as meditation. It must be the essence. When there is movement with all kinds of thoughts spontaneously arising, it's taught, quote, if you relax this tightly bound mind, there is no doubt but that it will be liberated. How to unbind, unbind, unbind. And of course, if you fixate on non-thought, you're still bound. If you fixate on luminosity, you're bound. If you fixate on bliss, you're bound. Therefore, rest, relaxed, on whatever thought arises, whether it is about an external object or the internal mind. When the arising of thought ceases, there will be spontaneously the nature of emptiness without any existence as anything whatsoever. Anything whatsoever. There will be inevitably a perfect clarity like the center of an autumn's cloud, the sky. Don't be glad if it lasts a long time and don't be upset if it lasts only a short time. That was a teaching on Mahamudra based on the key points of neither stopping nor creating. I think we'll leave it there. Neither stopping nor creating. So... Your mission today is not necessarily to go that far, but you want, if you, you can, you're hearing you're it. Hearing. It's good to hear it again and again and again. Today is to learn to find the place where the mind rests naturally. Just rests, rests, rests. Learn to trust that. But it's bright. Remember, if it's dull, you've lost it. It's bright, it's clear, it's, which means luminous. luminous. It's vivid, it feels pure. It feels stainless. It has certain qualities, but you may not have all those qualities. So don't beat yourself up. Okay. No object, meticulous. What are you looking for? Natural restfulness of the restfulness, restfulness of the mind. The resting mind in its natural state for you. Where's your natural resting point? When it comes to rest. You've all experienced it many times, haven't you? But people don't know that's the key. They don't know that's actually the meditation. They're trying to do something. So stop meditating so hard. But have diligence. If there's a you in the meditation, it's not it. If there's a big universe in the meditation, and you looking at the universe, that's not it. Let your let the awareness uh, rest or soar like an eagle through space, where space and the eagle are one. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Uh, If you're worried about remembering what the experience is like to report to the teacher, you'll remember, guaranteed. It's okay, something will remember. If you're trying to take notes while it's happening, uh, I would recommend a dictaphone like this. They're very good, they're very small, and you can have the dictaphone by your side while you're meditating and go, okay, this is it. I think this is really it. This is, it's, this is a profound one. I'm having a profound meditation, just so you don't forget, because you're unified in this, in this space. You can actually have it rigged up like this. Yes, right? Every time you meditate, you can have it recorded. <laughs> well, we used to do something like that in the sleep lab because I had a project when I was in graduate school of um, uh, relating meditative experience and states of meditation to the EEG tracings in the lab. So the way we did this is we had a microphone uh, very close by in the uh, anechoic, in the sleep chamber. There's no sound in there. And I would go in there and meditate, and then the, uh, um, the, uh, the guys would be running the uh, EEG machine, which was both hemispheres. It's a very sophisticated piece of equipment. And uh, also I had a muscle. I had an electrode here. So, so if I couldn't speak, I could just actually signal with a blink, like that, that's so all. Just move up, because move fa- I found I could actually sometimes, in very deep states of meditation, move, move facial muscle a little bit, but I couldn't speak, couldn't say anything, couldn't even find words. So that's how we'd actually mark the EEG tracing. Isn't that cool? We had to find ways to actually mark it, uh, to, to, so that I could come, when I did my re- meditation report, and we compared the meditation report, uh, to the the one hour of EEG tracings, the, um, some of the states, when I thought they were certain you know, things, I could mark them with a, a muscle twitch which would show up on the EEG trace as a, as a neuromuscular twitch. So I'm, I'm kind of joking, but I'm um, serious because there's, there's, we were trying to find a way to um, correlate uh, what was happening in an hour's meditation, hour and a half meditation, with... Um, the, the EG. It's pretty cool, actually. It's interesting. Interesting result. But I, I'm, jo- I'm joking about you know. I mean, somebody put on your order list for, um, you know. I just see that for Dominique, uh, 2024 20, uh, dictaphones.
1: And,
0: uh. So, any, any questions about what you're doing today and where you're going? And so, you, it's very important that you read or listen again and again and again to teach pointing out instructions of of Mahamudra Zagchan again and again and again. Allow your mind to fuse with the mind of the teacher who's uh, in that experience again and again and again and again and again and again and again, as much as possible. Uh, And then go practice. You practice, you practice, you practice, you practice, you practice, practice. Okay? Good. And in between sessions, if you realize what's happening, you'll realize that the balance of bliss, clarity, and non-distinction is none other than the balance of the five pranas. So the yogas, or the Feldenkrais, or different things, is then to just keep yourself between sessions, finding an exquisite balance, and then when it's ripe, ripe, five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes, go, aha, aha. Mmm. And then, Okay, this is an excellent statement. Uh, it's right on. Uh, see, there's an equal part of it. Oh, the uh, the non-thought the non-thought is very good. Wait, wait a minute. Thinking. Okay, and I'll I'll uh, I'll be over there. Houston. If, uh, Houston. Pardon? Calling, calling Houston, Houston. Calling Houston. Calling <laughs> Houston. I'm so far out now. <laughs> calling Houston. Bring me back. Bring me back. Actually, can happen in meditation. That's partly why you have formal practices uh, is because you can the consciousness can go so far gone that actually uh, there's been cases where, especially inner yogas, where you, uh, these sadhana practices are actually designed also to bring you back. Not, not that you'll die necessarily, but, but uh, you could remain um, for hours in a, um, a world system or in a space that's extremely difficult to find your way back. So remember, that's also one of the reasons why you do these steps, uh, so you remind yourself to come out um, and uh, come back. That's for true, for real. Otherwise you may find you you, very difficult to function for a while. So see you tonight, and then tonight will be meditation on uh, no object uh, in particular, no object meditation. By this uh, powerful uh, these powerful teachings of Mahamudra, may it lead to the cessation of suffering for all beings. May all beings be well and happy, may all beings be established in a perfect realization of Vajragini, who is none other than the Mahamudra, the perfect unity of wisdom and compassion, the full expression of Buddhahood, or Buddha nature. Sarmangalam, 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 Sarmangalam.